0: Okay, we are recording. I'm not getting a note of there we are. All right. We are recording now. So thank you so much, Dr. Cruzeau for being with us today. I appreciate your time. And one of the first questions I would like to ask you is how did you first get involved in immunology?
1: Uh, well, I was exposed to immunological research during a six-month internship for my master, which I did in uh, in immunology unit at GSK, which was Glaxo-Welcome at the time, that was in England. And it was my first experience abroad since I had only studied in France. And I got to work on DNA vaccines. At the time, it was a new and promising alternative approach to vaccination. I studied uh, CD4T cell responses and how they cross-regulate each other. Back then, I learned flow cytometry, which is a technique I have been using extensively throughout my career. I loved it. I, once I graduated with my master, I knew I had to do a PhD in immunology. I was fortunate enough to apply for a PhD position in a university in London in a lab whose PI just started sabbatical leave in the same unit I was previously at Glaxo. so things fell into place really well and i went back to the same company to do one more year as part of my phd project and i transferred my studies to university college london that's where i graduated after a couple of years and i was then proud to call myself an immunologist
0: sounds great how about telling us tell us about the research that you are most proud of
1: honestly I'm proud of all my research projects, even if some projects are harder to get funding for than others. Uh, I am particularly proud of the project that I have been able to integrate or link together, which helps me helps me leverage advances in some projects to support the others. Um, I tend to be also prouder of technological advances than advances in fundamental knowledge, simply because I feel that these take me a step closer to a potential treatment for patients.
0: What do you think is the most important trait that a researcher should possess and why?
1: Well, it's a, it's a lot of them. But I think without tenacity and patience, I don't think I'll be in my position. You know, I had to remain determined in the face of experiments that failed and, and grant applications that got turned down. And also, the field is more and more competitive, so uh, creativity and adaptability are important traits. I think uh, adaptability can apply at different levels. First, when we start as new investigator, independent, we must acquire all sorts of new skills. You know, such as in basically managing a business, managing people, budgeting, even marketing, once we start to come up with inventions, something that we are poorly prepared for as scientists. So uh, the second, I think also we need to be able to adapt to where the data lead us, which can be in unexpected directions. And, And also we need to be able to adapt our strategies based on what others are doing in the field you know, one publication by another group can take away some of the novelty of something you're working on. So, maybe adaptability is also an important trait.
0: What's the biggest lesson that you've learned? You mentioned some of the projects you worked on that maybe haven't succeeded the way you wanted them to. So, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned?
1: Right. Uh, Well, yeah, I learned that it's almost impossible to make big strides on your own, you know, while remaining exclusively within your field. I had not anticipated that, but for example, I've been working increasingly with bioengineers within and outside Colombia. And without those interdisciplinary interactions, I don't think I would have made as much progress or followed the same directions. In fact, scientists outside our field often have you know solutions to many of our challenges. So creating those interactions is not easy. academic researchers, especially the most established ones, are very busy and solicited. And at the same time, they're also curious and excited about new opportunities. So it's always worth trying, but you have to be patient and, and persistent.
0: What advice would you give to young researchers just starting out in the field?
1: I would tell them not to be discouraged hearing about the struggle and potentially stressful life of academic PIs. You know, success. We always say success will follow the passion, and if you can't, uh, you can't give up on something without taking some risks and trying it out. So um, just, just don't be discouraged and, and try it out.
0: Can you describe your average work day?
1: Uh, on an average day, I would probably have maybe three meetings, uh, maybe one, one. Uh, meeting with a lab member one-to-one and uh, meeting with a colleague or collaborator like a team meeting and maybe a seminar and uh, also possibly some work related to an academic service preparing a lecture or work related to the flow cytometry core that i direct and the rest of the time would be on grant or paper writing and if i don't have and that's if i don't have uh, grants or papers to review Um, and also, you know, there's a lot of emails that take uh, quite a bit of time to to answer emails. So um, I never had the same day again. Each, each day is different.
0: Sure. I've I've heard that before. <clears throat> we'll switch to the personal now. Who do you most admire and why?
1: I have admired all my mentors for various reasons, you know, for the unique traits they had, which are different. And I might not have those traits, but it's good to recognize them. In particular, I, I admire people who have unshakable self-discipline and this ability to self-motivate no matter what happens around them. That That's quite extraordinary and something that I, can, I find hard to get or to cultivate. Um, I also admire leaders in general that have uh, strong principles, also open-minded and capable of applying unbiased and reasonable judgment based on facts and common sense. And that seems, you know, obvious, but science is a much better place to find these leaders than in the political world, I can tell you that.
0: You mentioned motivation before. What motivates you to work hard?
1: Having a dedicated team is one great source of motivation. Uh, One, because I need to lead by example, and I feel that I can't expect hard work from them if I don't work hard myself. And also I need to give them a lot of my time, so they feel supported. And hard work is measured not only in uh, intensity, but also in the number of hours you put in. And then you 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 have to be generous with your time. Uh, And also, making progress on a project or just being recognized for your work and dedication is always a source of encouragement to work hard.
0: Do you have a favorite time management tool, something that helps you keep organized, stay organized?
1: No, I'm not that sophisticated. I I use my Outlook calendar a lot and everything is scheduled there. That's all I have.
0: How about vacations? Do you have a favorite vacation spot, somewhere you enjoy going, traveling to?
1: Yeah, I mean... There are two, really. One is Hawaii, over there's harder now from, from the East Coast. I've uh, been there many times. It's one of my favorite spots on Earth. It provides, you know, great combination of relaxing time and adventures, beautiful landscapes. Uh, but now, you know, the second one maybe is uh, visiting Europe by car. And I say by car because it's, there's always something interesting within a short driving distance we have uh you know so much to experience in terms of historical sites natural beauties and also regional cuisine so it's, it's so much more dense in europe than in the u.s you know
0: mm-hmm. do you have a favorite beverage or drink
1: not in particular uh, i have an affinity for fruity green teas which is what i have in my office but otherwise um, i like um Sweet wines and bubblies and tropical cocktails.
0: Sounds good. Uh, how about hobbies? What do you like to do when you are not working?
1: Uh, so in the summer, we'd like to go for a hike or go on a bike trip as an escape. Um, living in Manhattan, you know, we we don't have a car. But there's a lot to do around the city, and it's also easy to get out by train and explore the countryside outside of New York City. Um, but on cold or rainy days, uh, if I'm not working, what I like to do is a different kind of research. I've been passionate about genealogy since I'm a teenager, and I enjoy this just like doing a huge puzzle. You know, when the furthest you go in time, the fewer clues you get, and get to complete that puzzle, at which point things get more hypothetic. But it's, you know, as going as far as the early 1600s and learning about the life of uh, my ancestors centuries back is to me exciting and rewarding. And in the process, I got to meet distant cousins around the world too.
0: Very interesting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now we're going to talk about focus. Uh, tell me how you first got involved with FOCUS.
1: I was immediately exposed to FOCUS when I came to the US. As my postdoc mentor was Dr. Gary Fafman, the founder of FOCUS. Mm-hmm. So I attended many FOCUS meetings, including once as a FC trainee. It has always been one of my favorite meetings where I got to catch up with friends and make new acquaintances. Uh, the science and presenters are always excellent, uh, with the world's greatest leaders at the helm of the organization.
0: How has FOCUS changed your world? What kind of an impact has it had?
1: Well, yeah, f- f- well, I'd say first, uh, FOCUS has been one of the major conduits for mm-hmm. exposing my research to the people in my field. You know, I presented a lot of posters at FOCUS meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, it has, you know, focus has been progressively been recognized as the leading organization and meeting in translational immunology, at the same time as my work has become more and more translational over the years. So, I would not say that focus changed my work per se, but focus and my world are in a happy relationship, you know, hands to hands.
0: If someone asked you, a colleague perhaps, why they should join FOCUS, what would you tell them?
1: Well, if it's a colleague if I and I did my job properly as an FC director, I hope my colleagues will know enough about FOCUS and what it has to offer. So after that, they still ask me why they should join. I would tell them that membership fees are quite reasonable for the benefits afforded and I would encourage them to attend the annual meeting once and see for themselves. And they also, you know, all these member organizations. there's always one that is a good fit for you. And when you are a member of one organization, you get also uh, cheaper, like you, you pay less fees and the membership is cheaper for focus.
0: So now we're going to talk about your FCE. Tell us about the research that you're doing.
1: If you ask about my own research, is it's understanding how immune tolerance is failing in individuals with type 1 diabetes and how we can rectify this and allow the person's immune system to retake control of these rogue immune cells and block an autoimmune response. So one aspect of my research is, is more basic. We've modified animal models to investigate the role of certain genes or cell types. Another aspect would be on modelling the human immune system in vivo to study immune interactions and evaluate therapeutic approaches on human immune cells. And another aspect is more preclinical with the development and evaluation of therapies where we try to tackle barriers to translation to human application one by one as they come up. Um, But within the, the the Columbia FCE as a whole, We have a wide variety of research in in basic translational and clinical immunology. Some of the strong areas are uh, transplantation and xenotransplantation, cancer immunotherapy, uh, infectious diseases, including COVID-19, and also neuroimmunology. We, We have a very large and diverse patient population here in New York City for clinical research. And some studies are powered by local organ donor networks. Others study human immune cells with, with um, other organs that are grown from stem cells, often with uh, sophisticated chips. And then others leverage the latest tools in humanized mice to investigate function of human immune cells in vivo. So there's a lot of facets you know, to translational immunology here at Columbia.
0: Do you have a vision or a dream goal for your
1: FCE? My goal is to first establish an institutional network of scientists that were aligned with the interest of FOCUS to help them and also their trainees uh, via opportunities provided by FOCUS, you know, the travel awards, uh, networking opportunities, And also for me to get to know them and their research better through these interactions. So as to foster also more horizontal transfer of technologies and models and knowledge within Colombia. And then also for me to get to know other researchers from other FCEs and subsequently create a link between the different groups at Colombia and the other FCEs and possibly facilitate new collaborations and exchange of expertise, for example. So, I think this will take some time. Uh, and the translational and clinical community here at Colombia has become quite big.
0: Great. What are your biggest challenges?
1: You mean to these these goals?
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: well, like I said, the community of Columbia Immunologists that is aligned with the mission of FOCUS is quite large. So to form a cohesive internal network, given how busy people ever you know, is, can be challenging. Um, especially when you have an introvert like me to try to get people's attention. So, you know, I think that with time, as people know you better, it gets easier to approach people and be more approachable. Um, so, yes, yeah, a lot of people to, to contact and sure, Uh, things to organize.
0: Why did you apply to be an FCE?
1: I didn't apply. So, Columbia FCE has existed for several years. I'm not sure how many. I simply took over the reins from uh, Dr. Donna Farber. Uh, When I was asked to represent Columbia as his new FCE director, I felt it was both an honor and opportunity to give back and and grow within an organization that I came to cherish over the years. In a way I feel like taking the baton in a relay race and now I try to do my best to carry it forward. I feel it's particularly special that the vision I'm carrying forward is that of my former mentor Dr. Fafman and I am proud of being part of that vision and the future of the organization.
0: Excellent. Those are all the questions that I had. Is there anything else that you'd like to add, or something that I didn't ask you?
1: Not really. Um, well, maybe I, you know, I could give thanks to some of the other people here involved with Focus. Sure. Uh, is uh, Wassim El who is the associate director of the FCE, who kindly agreed to uh, work with me on this. Uh, Donna Farber, who I mentioned, who is the former F.C. director, and also currently Megan Sykes, uh, current president-elect of FOCUS. And they're all great advocates for FOCUS and also outstanding contributors to the field of human translational immunology. So, I thought we, I wanted to mention them.
0: Great, great. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. And I'm going to stop recording now.